0: morning. Good morning. morning. It's a good morning. We are celebrating Jesus. We're worshiping together. How amazing is this? How wonderful it is to be in the presence of God, in the presence of one another. Um, These are really, really strange times, not only for you, for us, for everyone that is living on this planet right now. Things are very strange, and um, it was very unfortunate that Uh, The other week, we learned that uh, one of the LISM project's volunteers um, was tested positive for COVID-19, and that is the reason why we, to be safe and to make sure that no one else in the team got it. Uh, No one else uh, showed any symptoms, so we waited, and fortunately, two weeks have passed. No one in the team has shown any uh, symptoms. One of them was tested, it was tested negative. And we praise God for his protection. We praise God that this volunteer is doing well as well, is recovering. Um, So as you can understand, these are very troubled times. And not only that, but also, as Gabby said, um, we had this news while we were on holiday about Pastor Eddie, and he was not feeling well. Um, So we're going, everyone is going through hardships and and hard times. And it's not just... uh, us, everyone else in, around the world, and the Church of Christ, we're all undergoing diff- difficult circumstances. And um, Pastor Martha, uh, Eddie's wife, was supposed to be here sharing the word with us this morning. But as you can understand, with everything that has happened, uh, and, and especially she needed to be in the church in Kishkaish. So uh, it is my honor, my privilege again, to share the word with you and, uh, and bring you what God put in my heart for us. But as Gabby felt from the from the spirit uh, to pray for Passaretti, and uh, I was thinking about this promise. If Dina can put the first passage in Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven, and this is the reason why we pray. This is the reason why uh, when we go through hardships, we want to bring everything before the Lord. The Word says, "Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition." With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we bring everything we have before the Lord. We bring Pastor Eddie, we bring the Riverside churches, we bring our own lives, we bring your lives. As you bring your troubles, your hardships before the Lord. And maybe this morning, I want, I want to invite you to stand with me. And I want us to pray again. Because I know that there are many people, um, even in this smaller group, and even in this smaller setting, we're going through hardships. We're going through anxiety and fear and certainty. And maybe it's not just because of your own life. Maybe you're feeling that because of someone in your family, a friend of yours, a relative. Maybe there are things that are not going as you would expect them to go. But this is what the Word of God says. Do not be anxious about anything. Take a time. Take this opportunity to bring before the Lord by prayer and petition our requests to God. This is what we do. That's why the church of Christ prays. We bring our requests before Him. So let's do that this morning. If you have this burden in your heart this morning, If there's things in your life that you don't know the answer to. If you're feeling anxious about how your work is going, how your family members are doing. Maybe there's someone who is quite sick like Pastor Eddie. Maybe there is someone that you want to bring before the Lord this morning. Really ask, Lord, please do something. Let's join together our faith and really ask the Lord. And as, a, as you close your eyes this morning, as a sign of faith, just stretch your hands to heaven. Just stretch your hands to God. And let's believe together and let's accept this peace of God, this answer from God that takes away all the fear or any anxiety that lies in us. And let's really trust that the Lord is hearing. This is not an empty promise. The Lord is hearing us. So let's bring our lives before him. Let's bring our requests, everything we have before him this morning. Amen. Father God, we thank you for for giving giving us your word, giving us this beautiful promise. Lord, we do not demand anything from you. We do not come in our own merits, in our own power. It's not because our words are beautiful, our prayers are just amazing, and we can quote verses from the Bible. It's not because of that. We come before you as we are, in our honesty, believing that you said that you want to hear our requests. You want to hear what is troubling our hearts. You want to hear what is causing anxiety in us. Lord, so as your family... As people who accepted Jesus in their hearts and lives, people who trust you, Lord, and are are learning to trust you more and more each day, Lord, we want to bring our family members before you. We want to bring our financial problems. We want to bring our burdens. Our addictions, our anxieties, our friends and family who are going through hardships and and health problems, Lord, and even someone here who is going through health problems as well, Lord, we want to bring everything before you. May your peace reign in, in our hearts. Because we believe that you have the power to make all things new. To take away anything that you don't want to happen in in our hearts and lives. So, Lord, we want to say that we trust you. And we bring ourselves into your presence, Lord. Asking for your peace. Asking for your strength. Asking for your healing. Asking for your wisdom. Asking, Lord, for your love to be poured inside our hearts, Lord. Lord, thank you. Thank you. And we accept Everything that you give in faith. We accept your word into our hearts. We accept that your word is the truth. And we want to walk in the truth. We pray all of these things, bringing each other's lives in your presence. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And we want also the Lord to change us through his word this morning. Amen. We don't want to just be listeners. And that's the the spirit the, the attitude that I really wanted to have in my heart as I prepared the message this morning. I don't want to entertain us. I don't want just to share words that are beautiful and and captivating or or just in in human wisdom, I want the Word of God to change us. Today can be a day where the Word of God changes something inside of us. And and when God changes something, He changes everything inside of us. So may this be the attitude as we come into the presence of God. We just ended a message series uh, last week, The Gospel of the Kingdom of God, But the message that the Lord gave me to share with you this morning is still about the gospel of the kingdom of God. Not because it's in the series, but because any message that we bring, everything that is shared in this particular time during the service should be about the gospel. It should be about the kingdom of God. And that is why it's so foundational for us to understand what is the gospel? What is the kingdom of God? And let me ask you this morning did you bring a notebook with you? Who hasn't, who hasn't brought a, a notebook to church this morning? Okay, let me see hands come on. Mea culpa, you know the, the expression. Okay, I know it's a little bit dark. You have your phones? You have permission from your pastor to use your phones during the message to take notes. Not to exchange messages, okay? But to take notes. Because that is my job. That is my role here. To transmit something from the word of God for us to grow together. Otherwise, we're going to listen and soon we will forget. You will remember that I have this really nice shirt that uh, Gabby bought me. Do you like it? It's really nice, really nice. That you're going to remember, but you're not going to remember anything that I've shared with you this morning. So let's be diligent. And next time, hopefully, bring a notebook so that we can remember everything that is being said in the presence of God. Because the gospel and the kingdom of God are foundational to life, not just to Christian life. The gospel is foundational to life. And that's why it's so important for us to get the gospel right, to get the kingdom of God right. I was reading this week about a pastor that confessed that his biggest frustration in ministry is when people that have been part of his community for years, people who have been receiving teaching from him for years, when they have a hard time explaining in reality what the kingdom of God is when they have a hard time explaining, or in their own words, what the gospel is. And that is very frustrating to any preacher, to any teacher of the word, because we want to make sure that everyone that is listening to us is able to understand in the language that they speak, in the culture that they belong to, what is the gospel of Jesus Christ? What is the kingdom of God? Because only that way, people will experience the life-changing power of the gospel. Because that's why the gospel was given to us, because it has the power to change our lives. So it would be my pleasure if any of you here that is here today, maybe you are watching us online, it would be my pleasure, as it would be for anyone that preaches at Riverside Lisbon, to sit down with you during the week And explain to you things about the gospel that maybe you still don't understand that well. Some details that are confusing. Maybe there are passages that are just too mind-blowing for you. But that's why we are serving Jesus together. That's why we want to serve you and help you understand the gospel. Because only then you can experience the power of the gospel in your heart and life. There are way too many people who are not experiencing the power of the gospel. So let's read together this morning this main passage that uh, the Lord spoke to me in Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to read plenty of verses this morning. Are you ready? Are you, you're not sleepy, right? No. Lift up your hands like this, showing that you're not sleepy. Okay, you're not sleepy. You're here with me. Okay, if you have your Bibles, I know that the letters are quite small on the screen. But if you have your Bibles, your phones, feel free to open Colossians chapter 1. And we'll read the first 14 verses together. Okay? I'm going to ask Jamil. Because a feminine voice sounds much better than a mess.
1: Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. To God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the, that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who, ha- who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins."
0: Thank you so much. So we have this letter in in the New Testament, the letter to the Colossians. Do you know who wrote the letter? Why is it Paul sounds like a question. Paul? No, it's Paul. It was Paul, the Apostle Paul, who was a church planter who wrote this letter to the church in Colossae uh, sometime between the year 60 and 62 after Christ, and he most probably wrote it from prison. He was in jail. Now, Paul, he wasn't the founder of the church uh, in Colossae. It was founded by Epaphras, as we learned and that we just read in verse 7. So Paul starts by addressing the Colossian Christians, describing them as faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, and seeing how he thanks God for their lives, as everyone around them is able to see their faith in Jesus, and also the kind of love that they have for one another. And, as, and this made me think about how we as Christians, people are also looking at us And they're looking to answers to two particular questions about us. The first one is, what do you believe? When you say that you are a Christian, people ask immediately, but what do you believe? And also, how do you live? And the the Colossians explain to us, and they demonstrate to us exactly, if Dina, if you can put the next slide, there you go. What do you believe and how do you live? Because Colossians, they were admired by their solid faith in Jesus and how also they related to one another in love. So there was a good balance between this. What do we believe and how are we living? And, and Paul says, and while, while this is a very amazing thing to have, have the knowledge of the Lord, but also have the works, Sometimes it's not an easy balance to have. We usually tend to one or the other, or we tend towards the knowledge, to the belief, to the faith, or we lean a little bit more towards the work, to the service, to the relationship aspect to the gospel. But Paul says that this church had a really good balance. But Paul also knew how hard it was to have this balance, Because in Colossians 3.16, he tells us, let the word of God dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So Paul is saying wisdom, knowledge, is very important in the church. It's important for us to know what we believe. But also he tells in 1 Corinthians 8.1 that knowledge puffs up while love builds up. If we just focus on the teaching, if we just focus on the knowledge side, then love gets sidetracked and we're not building each other up. So it's a hard balance to get, but the Bible is explaining to us that this is a balance that we need to reach. In 2 Thessalonians, in the beginning of this letter to the the church in Thessalonica, Paul says... We ought always to give thanks to God for you brothers as is right because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of one of you for one another is increasing. There is another church that is growing in these two very important areas. We need to grow in faith, in the knowledge, in wisdom, but also we need to work in love. We need to grow in these areas. Then in verse 5, Paul describes the origin of why people live this way. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you already have heard in, in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. So I hope that we get this morning that we do not have to choose between one or the other. We don't have to choose, oh, I'm I'm a a Christian, but I focus on the knowledge. And I'm a Christian, and I focus on the good works in in loving one another. No, we need both. And Paul says that the origin of faith and love that is growing in the presence of God springs up from the hope. Dean, if you can put the next slide. So hope... When we have hope in the Lord, it brings up faith and love to grow inside our hearts. And how do we have this hope? And in verse 5, Paul said, uh, uh, And about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. So faith and love come from hope. And and hope, they they started having it when they heard the true message of the gospel. And that's when I ask this question again. Why is it not just the message of the gospel? Why is Paul saying the true message of the gospel? Why is it focusing so much on this word, the true message? Because the gospel that we have heard or the gospel that we are following because the message that many people speak about being the gospel, sometimes it's not the gospel. And Paul is saying, if you want to live a life of love and faith that is increasing. If you want this faith and love to grow in the hope that you have received from the Lord, you can only receive hope if you are attached to the true message of the gospel. What is the true message of the gospel? So that's the question. What is the true message? 1 Corinthians 15 verses three and four, Paul explains to us what the true message of the gospel is. And it's simply this, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. It's not the most famous verse of the Bible. It's not probably a verse that we know by heart But according to God's word, this is the truest message of the gospel. This is the message of the true gospel. And how can we identify the true gospel? First, a gospel that says that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed from God. He was sent by God. He is the Son of God. If the true message of the gospel says this, it's the true message. Jesus, secondly, Jesus died for our sins. Jesus gave his life in order to save us from our sins, from our wrongdoings. He died in my place. He took my place on the cross. That's why Jesus died. And thirdly, Jesus was buried and raised on the third day. This is essential to the message of the gospel. And so when we speak about the gospel and we do not share about these three main aspects of it, we are not sharing the true gospel with people. And if we're not sharing the true gospel, it will not ignite hope in people's hearts. And if it doesn't ignite hope, people will not live in faith and love that is meant to increase in them. Only the true gospel can do that in people's lives. If someone needs hope, faith, and love, they're in need of the gospel. They are in need of the true gospel. Not just prayers, not just music, not just a program, or even just our friendship. People are in need of a savior. And that's what the the gospel offers us. In verse 6, Paul says, In the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. So when we hear the gospel, we start understanding God's grace. And God's grace is is a deep knowledge of, of God's love for us, of God's mercy, of God's kindness, of God's heart, of us knowing truly who God is, not who we think he is, but who God truly is. And if we understand and we start understanding uh, the gospel and we start understanding God's grace through the gospel, then we will accept the gospel. We will believe in the gospel. And it starts producing hope, faith, and love inside our hearts. And that's why everyone is in need of the gospel. Then in verse 7, Paul declares, who shared the gospel with the Colossians? you remember his name? Oh, thank you, Dina. He put out the name. Ep- Epaphras, or however that name should be pronounced in English. And Paul describes this man, Epaphras, the one who is a faithful minister of Christ. A faithful minister of Christ. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but it happens with me quite often. When I'm sharing the gospel with someone who has never heard the gospel before or someone who has a very limited understanding of the gospel still, when I share it, many times I hear myself speaking and I can't put myself in the other person's shoes on how weird sometimes it is, how awkward and how mad it sounds. For someone who who has never heard about Jesus. Who has never heard about the cross of Christ. And that is why I think many times. You and I, we are guilty. Of hiding the cross of Jesus from the gospel. Because we think that way people will sympathize a lot more with the message of the gospel. If we just share about a gospel that is about loving One another, about good works, about being a good neighbor, about giving our lives to one another, about fellowship and being together on a Sunday and having lunches and dinners and having friendships and being a good person in general, that is the kind of gospel that is more easily accepted. But according to the word of God, that is not the gospel. And I think many times we are at fault here as we hide the, gospel, the, the, the message of the cross from people. We do it individually when we present this gospel with just a curated selection of Bible passages that demand nothing from people, nothing from us. We hide the cross when we share this gospel of good works, social justice. We hide it collectively as churches when we hide the cross behind music, Behind lights and programs that are just focusing on the experience of a 21st century consumer. Anything that is flashy, anything that gives us good vibes, good feelings. But when we are hiding the cross, we are hiding Jesus. If we hide the cross, we hide Jesus. We're not called to be ministers of Christ. We are called to be faithful ministers of Christ. Faithful to the truth. Faithful to the true message of the gospel. Because only the true message of the gospel gives people hope. And we think that the true message of the gospel brings people confusion. The true message of the gospel brings people hope in order for them to walk in faith and love. The true message of the gospel brings people into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verses 15 to 17, Paul says, So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The gospel isn't meant to provide an experience to people, but is designed to meet people's needs the gospel is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes people will not experience the power of God if they don't believe in the gospel and they won't believe in the gospel if there is no one that is preaching the true gospel so a faithful minister of Christ doesn't hide the cross the true gospel as we can read in this passage, is the answer to both the Jew, to the one that knows of God's covenants, of God's commandments in the Old Testament, but also the Greek, someone who had no knowledge, no revelation whatsoever of who God was. The gospel is for those who know something about God, who already understand a few things about Him, but the gospel and the cross is also for someone who has never heard about God, who has never heard about Jesus. The same way the true gospel is the answer to the 21st century person who thinks the cross is madness, who thinks that those things are way too old. If I don't use a flip phone from the 90s, why do I need the gospel from the year zero? But the gospel is the answer to the 21st century person as it was to the first century person. The gospel is still the power of God to save anyone who believes. Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. You know this passage. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So when someone hears the gospel and responds in faith, God declares them righteous in His sight, not because of their works, but because of His grace, but because of the redemption that is found in Christ Jesus. So this reminds us of a very important aspect about the gospel. A very, very important one. We have absolutely no merit in our salvation. There is nothing in our salvation that it's about us. We are saved by the grace of God. And I think that many of you here agree with this. We say amen to that. That is the gospel that saved us. But this this means also something. Something else in our lives. Everything that we do is falling short of God's glory. We do not deserve God's grace. Nothing that we can possibly do can bring us closer to God. Only by the blood of Jesus, we are brought closer to God. We don't deserve the salvation and the mercy that God has for us. In fact, it's the opposite. Everything we've done so far in our lives is falling short of God's glory. That's why grace comes as a gift. That beautiful little four-letter word In the Word of God, our salvation is a gift from God that we have to accept by faith. Jesus died for our sins, so we don't have to die for our sins. And Paul was not ashamed of the gospel and ashamed to preach the gospel, but eager. Why? Because he himself experienced the power of God for salvation. 1 Timothy 1, verses 12 to 17, and I'm going to ask Jamil again to read.
1: I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that he deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example to those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen.
0: Amen. Can we say Amen? Amen. So before receiving the Gospel, Paul himself describes himself as being the worst of sinners. A blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent man. The kind of man that is able to put innocent people to death. Kind of man. But because Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom he considered himself the worst sinner, God showed Paul his abundant mercy, grace, and patience. And if Paul was able to be saved and receive eternal life, there is no one who is unable to be saved. And think about this for a second. The Bible says that there is no one that you know that the gospel is unable to save. No one that you know is unable to be saved by the gospel. The gospel is only unable to save those who we don't share the gospel with. Let's read in Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 9. One of the greatest tragedies in Christian living is refusing to share the gospel with someone for not believing they would accept it and be transformed by it. And I'm going to say something that is hard to say. But if we do not share the gospel with our friends and relatives, because we think that they will not understand and they will not receive the gospel, there is a really high chance that we ourselves haven't been transformed and saved by the same gospel. Because according to God's Word, if we know that our salvation is not due to our personal merits, It's not because of anything that we have done. When you and I, we heard the gospel that saved us, we didn't accept it because we were the smartest. We we didn't accept it because we were the most intellectual. We didn't accept it because we were better than anyone else. We were saved by the grace of God towards us when we heard the message of the gospel. And if we are withholding the gospel from people because we think that they will not be able to accept it, they will not be able to understand it, they will will mock at the cross of Christ, then we probably don't understand the gospel that has saved us. Because if we were transformed and saved by the gospel, we are not ashamed, but eager to, to share the gospel that is powerful enough to save them as well. The same way that it saved us. It says, it's true, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. Yes, not everyone will receive. But here, there is another promise. Some will accept the gospel. Some will understand the gospel and understand the grace of God. Some will accept the gospel inside their hearts and will be transformed by the hope of the gospel that only the true gospel brings. And they, were st- they will start walking in faith and love with the Lord. But we have to be faithful ministers of the gospel, just like Epaphras. The gospel is able to save our relatives, our friends, our colleagues, our neighbors. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. It's not up to us to decide who who is ready to hear the gospel. Don't fall in that trap from the enemy. We are meant to share the gospel to throw the seed and God will give the growth. The word that we are planting inside people's hearts is the power of God for salvation. It's not up to us. We don't make the gospel powerful. We think our own words, our own wisdom, our own way of sharing it with with slides, with lights, with music. That's what makes people accept the gospel, never. The gospel is the power of God to save everyone who believes. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So my family, I want to invite the worship team to come as we close this morning. And I know that we read many passages and I hope that you will dwell in them during this week again and think about it and let the Holy Spirit speak to you and help you because what this is going to make inside your heart and my heart is bring us closer to the Lord is living in faithfulness to Him. That's why the title of the message this morning is just this Be Faithful to the Gospel. We're called to be faithful to the Gospel. So this morning I want you and me Because I'm not just preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. I was the one that God said these words first to. And these words were burdening my heart and bringing a, a, a holy heaviness inside of me. Because there are things that I need to change. And these are the questions that I want you and myself to answer before the Lord this morning. Number one, are you growing in faith and love? How? If you want to write down these questions, Answer to them during the week. Write them down. How am I growing in faith and love? And how, what am I doing in order for this to happen? Because if the Colossians were growing, if the Thessalonians were growing, we need to go into the word of God and see how can I grow in faith and love, not just one or the other. Second, are you sharing the true gospel or are you hiding the cross? Thirdly, do you believe the gospel can really save anyone? Or have you been living this way that in a belief that the gospel can save anyone? So hopefully... As we come into the presence of God this morning, we will answer these questions in honesty. But I also want to leave you three challenges, three things for you to do this week, three things for me to do this week. Otherwise, we're just going to be listeners. And God wants us to be doers of the word. So three things that we all need to do this week. Are we going to do them? Before I share them, are we going to do them? Yeah. Oh, man, what? A... Don, are we going to do them? Yes, that's how it is. God wants committed people. This is what God is challenging us to do this morning. First, recommit or commit a time to be in God's word. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. We need to set a time. To be in God's word. And I know how hard it is. It is hard. But we need to be in. And be in is not just reading. And I'm, I'm still reading with Masud. And I don't know if anyone else. We're doing, uh, and Gabby is also doing, the, the Read the Whole Bible in a Year program. It's really good. It's very intense. And it's good to give you knowledge and culture about the word of God. But that's not necessarily mean to be in God's word. Be in God's word is studying it, is digesting it. It's meditating in God's word as we read in Psalm 1. Blessed are those who meditate in God's word day and night. We need to be in God's word. So we need to set a time to be in God's word, to study it. Secondly, for our love, we need to commit or recommit a time to meet someone else's needs. 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And my friends, this is not just about money. This is not just about lending money or buying things for other people. It's about meeting someone else's needs. And as we've heard this morning, people are in need of a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus Christ. When we see a need, if we have the answer to that need, we need to share and we need to be intentional about it. And that is living in love. And thirdly, be ready to share the gospel to all people at all times. 1 Peter 3.15 and 16 Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. We have this obligation to share the gospel with all people at all times. There is no time where it's the best to share the gospel. Every time is a good time. But it says at the end also, but do this with gentleness and respect, which many of us, sometimes we forget, but we need to be gentle, respectful, keeping a clear conscience. What is keeping a clear conscience? Because we not only preach the gospel with our words, we preach it with our lives. Having a clear conscience means there is nothing in me that is guilting me from sharing a gospel that I'm not actually living. And it's not about our merits because none of us are perfect. But if the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us from all of our sins, then we are ready. We're ready to bring the gospel to people, not because we're better than anyone else, but because God has taken away my shame. He has taken away the burden of my sin. I have a clean conscience before the Lord to speak the gospel to people. We're now going to sing a song and I'm going to invite you to stand with with me and with the worship team. We're going to sing a song that is called Open Space, and it says, My heart is an open space. And I pray that this morning, our hearts will be an open space for the Lord to work in us. A space where there are no walls. There's nothing... Detaining us from being in God's presence for Him to do His work inside our hearts. For God to take complete control of us. This time is an opportunity for us to be intentional about the gospel that we've heard. About the true message of the gospel. Because my friends, if we accept and if we embrace the true message of the gospel, it will bring us hope. And my God, how we need hope. How we all need hope. And if we have hope, we will be able to live in faith and love. We will be able to grow in faith and love. And if we have these things, we will lack nothing. Because we have Jesus. We have Him. So as we sing together, as we We pray together these words. Let's be intentional about our growth in the gospel. I know that we're a smaller group because of COVID, because of life, because of holidays, because so many things. But did you know that the world was impacted by 11, 12 people that were carrying the true gospel inside their hearts? we can impact the city of Lisbon with the true gospel. The gospel is the power of God to save anyone who believes. And God is counting on you. God is counting on me to live out the gospel and to share the true gospel. Thank you, God, for this time. And we bring... Everything that was said, everything that was shared this morning, and everything that is inside of us before you, we pray, Lord, that this message will bear much fruit for your glory inside our hearts. Thank you for loving us so much, for telling us the truth, for admonishing us, for correcting us as well, but also pointing out the way, the path that we should walk in. I pray that we will be faithful ministers of the gospel every single day of our hearts and lives. We thank you and we praise you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.